tonight at Awaken. Um, who's had a great night already? It's going to get just a little bit better. And as I've said before, these nights are bump in, bump out because they go a little bit longer. So if you have to leave, that's okay. But I'm so glad that you've been here so far. And um, bring your kids. I really want to encourage you. Bring the kids. It's great for kids to be in the presence of God because uh, God can touch them and uh, do something in their lives while they're here in the presence of God. So I just want to talk. I'm going to try and be as brief as I can tonight, but um, I just want to bring you a few thoughts tonight. And I think it's, it is very common for Christians um, that we view the things of God uh, limited to our personal benefit. So I want us to see some things a little bit differently tonight, but uh, when we think about that, when we think of things like the gifts of the Spirit, we often are relating that to what can God give me? Uh, what, does, what doors will God open for me? What connections will come to me that will help me? What prophecy is for me? And, and we often have this kind of a, uh, an ending to all those kind of questions is what gifts or what fruit of the Spirit are for me? And I know, you know it's, it's not unusual that um, in many, many places, if you say, hey guys, we've got a prophet coming to town, you'll have the biggest service you'll have for all year, will be when the prophet is in town, because everyone is going, it's all about me. And you know, if you, if you are that person, make sure you wear a really bright prophesy for me kind of top, and you'll get the prophecy for sure. Uh, but I, I want to say prophecy is real, I'm not... I'm not diminishing that it is a powerful powerful thing but you know what drives that kind of interest is people saying I need something for me and we we're self-absorbed in in that thing so it's not that there isn't a time for that in our progress in our walk with God there is a time for that but I want us to to be a church that is pursuing after this little word called maturity and maturity in Jesus is not measured by what we get it's what we allow God to do with us you understand that? It's what we allow God to do with us and in us. That's what maturity is all about. So we need to live in awakened moments because others are relying on us too. Others are relying on us. So our awakened moments actually have an effect upon others. So I want to give you only two scriptures tonight, but they're really, really long ones. So is that okay? Uh, only two, but they're long. Acts chapter 22, uh, starting at verse 4. And I'll just read it out to you, and then we're going to look at the same story, but from a different angle. So, uh, starting at verse 4, it says, And I persecuted the followers of the way. Now, who knows who we're talking about already? It's Saul, or, or Paul. He, he, Saul, Paul, the same person. Um, I persecuted the followers of the way, hounding some of them to death. Get, just remember that. When, I want us to see the, the person of Paul. He's hounding people to death. Literally, he's killing people, arresting both men and women and throwing them in prison. The high priest and the whole council of elders can testify that this is so, for I received letters from them to our Jewish brothers in Damascus, authorizing me to bring the followers of the way from there to Jerusalem in chains to be punished. As I was on the road approaching Damascus about noon, a very bright light from heaven suddenly shone down around me. His Saul's awakened moment. It says, I fell to the ground and I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord, I asked. 
And the voice replied, I am Jesus a Nazarene, the one you are persecuting. Verse 11, I was blinded by the intense light and had to be led by the hand to Damascus by my companions. A man named Ananias lived there. There's a key to this verse today. Uh, write that down if you're taking notes. Ananias. And uh, uh, it says he was a godly man, deeply devoted to the law, and well regarded by all the Jews of Damascus. He came and stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, regain your sight. And that very moment I could see him. And then he told me the, the God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and hear him speak. For you are to be his witness, telling everyone what you've seen and heard. What, you're, uh, what are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized. Have your sins washed away by calling on the name of the Lord. I want us to focus not so much on Saul tonight, but on this man called Ananias. It said there lived in Damascus a man called Ananias. Ananias lived there. And while Saul was having a direct revelation of Jesus, God was speaking to Ananias to reach out to Saul. But I just want us to think about a few things tonight. Here's Saul, an unbeliever, uh, a, a person who is absolutely fighting against the church, and he has an awakened moment direct from heaven, to, from God to him. Think about that and the power that is in that thought. So apart from that, the Lord is always seeking Ananias people. Every, every Paul needs their Ananias. See, that, uh, it's that first point of discipleship and ministry that sets Saul's awaken into the call of God. So Saul has this amazing uh, personal revelation of Jesus, yet Jesus then chooses to send him a man to complete the work. Is that incredible? That's amazing to me that God can talk directly to people and we are going to see people over the next few months and years who God will intervene in their life and they'll come to a, a, a revelation or an understanding or something will happen and they'll say, God has been, been communicating to me and he's going to send us to them and then to us as Ananias moments to complete the work that God has started. Is that amazing? That's incredible that God chooses to do that. So let's go back a, a little bit, uh, back to verse 12. Ananias, it says he was a godly man. So we're going to look at a few things that set us up to be an Ananias person. So uh, he's a godly man. That's opposite to a worldly, carnal, or basic instinct person. Uh, the godly man lives with conviction and the knowledge that Jesus is real. Basically, I think the, the, a godly person is a person who believes in heaven and hell. And we, we're, we're aiming for the heavenly and we're, we're, wanting, to, we're tr wanting to pull people out of, the, out of hell. And so that's what separates the godly from the ungodly. And, and that's what causes us to say, God, I've got boundaries on my life, on my mind, on what I see, what I do, where I go, how I talk, because I've got a revelation of heaven and hell. And we've got a... We've got a desire to be a godly person. So uh, what else? Ananias, it says, he was devoted to the law. Now in our terms, because he was a Jew, he was Jewish, in our terms, we could say that 
He loved the Word of God. And, and when you desire and have a love for the Word of God, I can guarantee you that God will bring you into an expansive world. Your, your horizon gets bigger and greater, not smaller and smaller. Because the Word of God brings us into a, a, a greater perspective. So if you have to be known for something, let it be known. Uh, the, the next one, sorry, he's, he's got a good rep- he has a good reputation. He has a good reputation among the Jews of Damascus. So if we have to be known for something, let it be for a good reputation. So we need to do some of these things so that we can be an Ananias to others. Practice being nice. Uh, be kind. Be thoughtful. Be generous. These are the things that help us to, be a, 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 to gain a good reputation. And I want that to be our church. You know, I, I really got tired after a few, quite a few years of being here, maybe four up to five years after being here. And every now and then we'd meet people and they'd and, and they say, oh, what are you doing, Paul? Oh, we passed the, the church up there. Oh, that one. Yeah, yeah, been there, done that, never again. Uh, why? What happened? What did they do to people? Did they have a dentist chair and drill their teeth? I don't know what they used to do. But, but I was like, I'm tired of this. There's, there's a bad reputation. And, and as we you know, have gone on now, it's great to hear when we see those same com- kinds of conversations. You talk to people and they say, oh, yes, my, my cousin goes to that church or my sister goes to that church. And, and they say how good it is. That's the kind of feedback. That's what we do get today. And that's so, so exciting. So as One Heart Church, we want to aim to be people of a good reputation. It's not the pastor, although the, you know, there's a responsibility there. It's not just the worship pastors or the worship leaders or whoever else. It's all of us need to pursue after a good reputation. So uh, just moving on now, I want us to, to, to understand we need to make the most of our awakened moments that God gives us. Now, I'm going to give you the same story from a different angle. Acts chapter 9, verse 10 to 18. Now, there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. Now, what I'm talking about tonight is being an Ananias people, an Ananias church. And the first key to that is saying, yes, Lord, when he calls. Before Ananias knew what Jesus wanted him to do, he answered yes. So I want us to be a yes church to the things of God. A yes church to the things that Jesus calls us to do. Verse 11. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas, and when you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. So Ananias has a prophetic edge. And I, I really desire that we as Christians can operate with the prophetic edge in our life. And one of the, one of the great things about light, nights like tonight, I didn't, you didn't do it tonight, but, but normally I'd go around to people and say, hey, if you've got something, go and give it to somebody. Uh, just trying to prompt people to move around the room and, and encourage one another, bring a word of prophecy, a word of encouragement to others. So that, that's one of the great things about Awaken Night. So next Awaken, I want to encourage you, come on out, be, be uh, 
seeking God and saying, Lord. Uh, and sometimes you think you, you get a little bit of a flash of inspiration and you think, um, God just told me to go and talk to Luke, not Josh Roger. God, God just told me to talk to Luke and just to encourage him. And we think, oh, I don't know if that was God. I'm not, I'm not sure. So I, I just won't. Or, or maybe if he walks right past me, then I'll know. Um, but you know something? These nights are, are, are nights to be bold and cross the room and do it. I encourage you to do it. Where was I up to? Verse 12. I've shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in, laying hands on him so he can see again. Now, Ananias, again, the prophetic edge, he hears and is, he's up with what Jesus is doing. You see, we've got to be a people of God who know what Jesus is up to, who knows what Jesus wants us to do. So that, that, that takes a little bit of, uh, of interest a little bit of effort on our behalf to be in the Word of God, to be uh, pursuing after the, the thoughts of God so that we can live in a prophetic edge so that we can minister out of that. Imagine if it said, well, Ananias, he was, he was just um, out in the balcony uh, uh, counting his money. He was, he was out there just uh, uh, you know, sharpening his fishing hooks. I don't know what Ananias was doing what other things he could have done. But I praise God that there was an Ananias who obviously had dedicated part of his life to listen in and tune in to the voice of God who said, I want you to go. And it's so accurate, so, so, uh, so, so accurate in what God told him. You know, and God wants to work in that way in our lives today. You know, I remember once a mother when I was a youth pastor came to, came to our house and said, oh, my son's, oh, no, I think she rang. And she, she said, my son's, you know, he's ran away. I don't know where he is. Um, and, and, she, she, and I was a youth pastor. I'm thinking, your son hardly comes to youth. What do you want me to do? And I was just annoyed. Basically, I was saying, I, I don't, how am I supposed to know where your son's gone? But, you know, something I thought, okay. She, she, so I, was just, I had to go past the annoyance factor. And I got down in my bedroom and just began to pray and said, God, help me to know where this kid is. And... And suddenly I, I get this, this idea, go to the old Chapman's factory. It was an old abattoir. It was a broken down old, like, like old crumbling buildings where they used to kill pigs and stuff like that there and make them into metwurst. And, and the whole, it was just a ramshackle old broken down factory thing. And God says, go there. Just, just, just go there. So I drive straight there and I, I drive around the back of these crumbling down old buildings and there's this person walking through the car park I didn't recognize and, and I could see them straight away no one else there this person just sort of shuffling through the car park and it's him and I go hey what are you doing I, I didn't recognize him at first till I got real close oh um yeah he, he's just you know he's just run away or whatever and I said hop in the car so we drove around a bit talked a bit took him home his mother says how and she thought there was some kind of a thing that I had hidden him somewhere. So sometimes people just take, you know, read things all the way wrong. But um, Ananias has a prophetic edge. I want to encourage the church to step into a prophetic edge life. So that we're not just, just you know, dumbfounded by things that happen, but we, but we can say, God, what is the plan forward? So we're going to pray tonight for the prophetic's Oh, for the pro prophetics, for the prophets to be released among us in the church. We need, we need the prophetic in our kids' church. We need prophetic in toddlers. 
We need prophetic in, in all these areas of our church. We need prophetic in, in, in our life groups. We need prophetic everywhere because it can make the difference between someone who, who needs a breakthrough. Josh here, Pastor Josh, you would know him. When he was 14 years as a kid, he, he, was, he was broken down, weren't you, Josh? He was a broken kid. He didn't want to come to Port Lincoln. He thought he was dragged here by his parents to wreck his life, that God actually was ruining his life. God, you've wrecked my life. I don't want to go to Port Lincoln. I've got a nice, happy life. I've got friends where I am. I don't need to move. And so he, was, you know, he would cry himself to sleep, if I can say, every night just so, so down on his luck because he didn't want to be where he was. And you know, people would say to him, hey, Josh, how do you like Port Lincoln? He'd say, I don't like it. And so people would then start talking and say, oh, there's something wrong with Josh. He's real, real, you know, sad sack. But you know something, David Hall, many of you would know David Hall, Pastor David. He came one night to, to, to church and he, he stops and prophesies a word of God over Josh that totally set him free. So there's power in the prophetic that can change a person's destiny. And from that moment, Josh started to grasp hold of the call of God. God starts to, Josh starts to grasp hold of the things of the Spirit. And he's never looked back from one word. And, and I just think that's so, so, so exciting. But God wants to release that kind of power in you tonight so that, so that you can carry something. Now verse 13. But Lord exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many talk about the, the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. They've already heard. So he, he's murdered people. He's, he's put people to death. He's tortured people. He's a torturer and a murderer. Verse 14, and he's authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. Now, Ananias had good reason to stay away from Saul. Now, how many opportunities pass because we have good reason to stay away? I could have stayed away from that kid wandering through the, that warehouse. I had good reason. I was ticked off with his mum. He doesn't even come to our youth group hardly. I had good reason. And we have all good reasons of why we're not doing what God wants us to do. Oh, it's too far away. Oh, I don't know how, you know, I don't know how I'll afford it. Oh, I don't know if I could give up my time. All, you know, all the reasons why. Ananias had good reason to stay away from Saul. Now, if someone said to you, hey, there's a murderer, God says to you, knocks on your door, and says, hey, there's a murderer living next door, but I want you to go to him, you'll be saying, no. I can't. But the Lord said, this is the thing that I love about Ananias, but the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings and to kings as well, and to, uh, as to the people of Israel, and I'll show how many how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So, Ananias went. I love that. God said, but the Lord said, go. And verse 17, so Ananias went. It says, and he went and he found Saul. He laid his hands on him. Everyone look at your hands. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, 
The Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. He's saying God has sent me because he wants you to have an awaken. He wants you to have an awakening, an awakened moment of the things of the Spirit that's going to change your whole life. So it says Ananias went. I love the, the word so. We've got to have the right so in your life and you become an agent of awakening for others. He laid his hands on Saul. And we have to recognize the power of laying on of hands. It's a faith thing. It's a spirit thing. Uh, and that's why lately we've been, we've been telling people, if you want prayer, come out the front on Sundays. Come out the front. And, and I want to encourage you, if you need prayer, don't say, oh, well, God can touch me from here. Yes, he can. But you know something? He can complete the work when someone lays hands on you. It's, not, it's, it's, it's something that I can't explain. It's not a natural thing. It's supernatural. And so it's, it's where we step out in faith and say, God, I know you've done something in me, but you can complete the thing through the hands of a minister. And, and that's all of us. It's, it's not the, the priests and the, the, that sort of stuff. It's the, the body of Christ has holy hands. That is all of you. That is all of us. So I want to encourage you. You have holy hands. You have power in your hands. And so sometimes on Sundays, you might need to have the hands laid on you. Now, now I want you really, really to hear this. But more importantly, someone needs your hands laid on them. So when we come out the front to pray, don't be scared to gather around people and say, we're going to all lay our hands on them. That is if you're right with God yourself. If you're angry, you're jealous, you're bitter, you're twisted, you know, keep your hands in your pockets. <laughs> but if you generally want to, you genuinely want to see someone set free and you've got that burden in your heart to minister the love of Jesus, then, then your hands are power hands. Get used to it. So it's one of the ways that the Holy Spirit is delivered to others is through our hands. Now, don't disqualify your hands. I'm nearly finished. Don't disqualify your hands. Because you might be thinking, oh, but I've, I've, I've stolen things. I've punched people. I've done the wrong things with my hands. Don't disqualify your hands. See, Saul had tortured hands. He had torturous hands. He had murderous hands. Yet Jesus said, I want to use those hands. And Jesus is speaking over you that he wants to use your hands. So we're here, we're, we're to be, I want us to be experienced, if I can say this. I want us to, to learn and have experience in the laying on of hands in others. Can I give you another story of laying on of hands? I was in a youth meeting one night at Mount Barker, up, upstairs in the Mount Barker church. And uh, there was this big guy in our youth group, and he was like, he was probably 14, but he's like, he's got a beard, a beard like I, like I could never grow. He's like, you know, he's huge. And he's like, oh, I'm four, no, I'm 14. It's like, what? But this one night, he, he, he's, he's, you know, we're, we're praying for people, and he just starts to shake. Like, he's, he's really just, like, really, really shaking. I'm thinking, something's not normal. Something's not right with that. And, uh, and I'm thinking, I've got to do something. And, and so he, he's really shaking. And I go and lay hands on him and I start to, to speak the word of life over him. I begin to take hold of the, 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 the spirits that are, that are tormenting him right now and, and, and took authority over it until 
it, it stopped and went away. And afterwards I said to him, hey, like, like later on in, in the night, I said, hey, what happened to you there? And he says, you know, something came over me and, and, um, and I, it was saying to me, just get a chair and take everybody out in the room. Just, just attack everyone with a chair and just destroy as many people as you can. And, and I said, well, what happened? He says, but, but then you came and laid hands on me and I couldn't move. I, I, he goes, my body was like, like just I, like weight all over me and I couldn't even lift my, my arms or my feet were, were anchored because of the laying on of holy hands into a demonic situation. So what happens is Saul is changed. Uh, the verse 18, I better read this. Instantly something like scales from fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. See, see, awakened nights are safe nights to do this kind of stuff with people. Saul is changed into a saved man from that point of encounter with Ananias. And I want us to be a church that is raising the Ananiases. Because if we don't, the souls remain blind. You see, that, that's the amazing part of this story. Saul has this incredible moment with Jesus. Jesus calls his name, throws him off his horse, sees his blazing light, hears a voice from heaven. Yet, Jesus calls Ananias to complete the work. Can you get a grasp a hold of that for yourself today? Because if there's no Ananias, Saul remains, remains blind. And perhaps there are people around us today we have, that have had encounters with God yet remain blind because there was no Ananias to help them. That's a scary thought. There might be people who say, yeah, oh, I, I had an encounter with God, I had an encounter with Jesus. But you know they've remained blind. That's where they need our help. That's where they need us to get beside them. Because Jesus uses people to complete the ministry that he starts. There's a huge revelation there. Jesus uses people to complete the ministry that he starts. He uses Josh. He uses Narelle and Michael and Graham. Every single one of us here in this place. And Greg, Priscilla and Neil. God uses people to complete the work that he starts. I don't know why Jesus didn't do it all on the road to Damascus. There are things that Jesus does in others. And then there are things that Jesus calls us to do for them. And Jesus is calling us to a life in ministry that releases the souls to see the God picture for their lives. Can we just stand up, please, tonight together? We're going to anoint with oil today. We're going to use our hands and we're going to use the oil. I've got it out tonight and I've prayed for it already. But can you declare over yourself, I want to be part of an Ananias, an Ananias generation. Because I'm born again. I have the Holy Spirit in my hands and I have power going through them. See, Ananias was obedient. His obedience set Saul up spiritually, delivered him from his religious spirits, and Saul became one of the most important people in the Christian world, even up to today, 
through his writing found in our Bibles is some of the most profound writings that anyone has ever written about the, the ways of God, about how to follow Jesus. So I want us to pray for each other tonight. I, I, you know, I know time's getting on, but if you can, come on down the front. Allow us to lay hands on you. And I'm giving everyone the, the opportunity here today to lay hands on others. If you see someone up the front and you think, hey, I'm just going to go and stand with them and lay my hands on them. My hands are holy hands. Before we move on, we're just going to lift our hands to the Lord. Say, Jesus, just repeat after me, Jesus, these hands are holy hands. These hands are anointed hands. I give you my hands. I ask that you use them every week, every day. When I come to church, when I leave church, I pray, Lord God, that I learn to use my hands to lay hands on those who need it. Oh, Jesus, I just pray right now. Amen. Amen.